Now on to the report. Welcome back to Reborn Report. I'm Don Pfeiffer. And I'm DJ Pfeiffer. Well, DJ, today's Easter. It is, and I see you really got all dressed up for it. Today's the day Christ arose. You know, most people dress up on Easter. I wear a nice sweater, <laughs> and you're wearing a Reborn Report t-shirt. Well, hey, we're reborn because of Easter. Well, there you go. Because of what Jesus did for us. There you go. And I thought about doing a Easter type of message, but... I believe every pastor does that. And we started, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on our subject of God's will to heal. And we promised to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And uh, it's a pretty big topic. So I want to continue that. I don't want to um, break this sequence. So your Easter Sunday message is about Paul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, if somebody's really looking for Easter message, they can yeah. turn to every other pastor, but we're going to be teaching something different. And uh, it's a big topic, God's will to heal. Everybody needs to know this answer. Is it God's will to heal? And even if you're perfectly healthy right now, there'll come a time for most people when they could benefit from a healing. So today I want to talk about, like I said, Paul's thorn in the flesh because... But before you get on to our topic today, okay. well, I received a blessing from God in my oh, life Oh, yeah, you got accepted in medical school. Yeah, I got accepted to my first medical school. Where is it? Liberty University. In where? Virginia. Virginia. So if that's the only place you get accepted, I mean, I know you want to go there because it's a Christian school, but it's in Virginia and it's a lot more of a financial obligation to go there because, you know... Um, cost of living and finding an apartment. I'm still waiting to hear back from a couple other schools, so I haven't fully made my decision yet. Um, but pray for me and pray that God reveals the path he wants me to take. And he will. We just got to have our faith and, and trust in him. Yep. So, but anyway, that's good. That's good. To Big weight off my shoulders. You said that um, they accept 120 new medical students students a year. Out of how many applicants? I said like 5,000. Wow. And they called you? There must be some mistake. Yeah, they must have been looking for you. <laughs> well, we're proud of you, DJ, and, and we know God will uh, direct your path. So we're, we're putting our hope and our faith and our trust in him. That's right. So Paul's thorn in the flesh. Uh, one of the biggest objections and really a faith destroyer that's raised today against the ministry of healing and God's will to heal everyone today is Paul's thorn in the flesh. And this widespread teaching is that Paul had a sickness that God refused to heal. And as a result, thousands of people and thousands of Christians for that matter have suffered often for years and years believing that they are to endure and accept their illness and disease because they are somehow pleasing God or honoring his will with through their sickness. But is this true? Uh, 
does God really want people to sometimes suffer sickness and disease? Does he have some purpose in it? Well, we've already answered some of those questions. We know yes, that we that's did. not the case. Well, we do. And, but in order for us to have a firm and clear understanding about this, Paul's thorn in the flesh, uh, we need to take a close look at what the Bible says about Paul's thorn in the flesh. It's a good idea. Let's do it. Um, DJ, let's start by reading that account. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And read down about the 10 verses or so. Start at the beginning of chapter 12. It's titled in my Bible, Paul's vision and his thorn in the flesh. Okay. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I do not know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Wow. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will only boast about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged God to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So you can see by just reading that on the surface how someone can um, make the assumption that Paul's thorn in the flesh was some kind of sickness or disease. He even says in his weakness, right. you know, and doesn't uh, sickness and disease cause us to be physically weak. Right, exactly. So on the surface, it does look like Paul's thorn in the flesh was some form of a sickness or illness. And God, it says there that God, he asked God three times to take it away and God didn't do it. He said his grace was sufficient. So we can understand why somebody would assume that, uh, God's will isn't always to heal because he didn't heal Paul. Right. But what really was Paul's thorn? I think to get a better understanding of what Paul's thorn was. Now, Paul described what a thorn was. Mm -hmm. He said it's a messenger from Satan. There you go. (laughs) Keep me from becoming proud. Paul said what a thorn was, but I, I don't know why people overlooked that. He said his thorn was what? Say that again. A messenger from Satan to torment me. And keep me from becoming proud. And then later on, down a little bit, he says, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. He called it a messenger from Satan. So in other words, Paul's basically saying that his thorn in the flesh uh, wasn't a sickness. No. It was a personality Mm. or opposition. What do you mean by that? Somebody that came against him in his ministry. Right. Like last week we said it was a thorn in the flesh. Was, that that was given to him by Satan. Well, last week we said it was just a, a saying. Like right. A, well, I want to... Like saying a pain in the neck. Well, I want to... But if we say that, and that was my opinion, that right. I said that, but 
Let's look at some other places in the Bible, because if Paul refers to sickness as a thorn in the flesh, we should see that reference somewhere else in the Bible. Remember, sure. the Bible says, let the word of God be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Mm -hmm. Well, let's look. Now, Paul was very knowledgeable of the law. He was a Pharisee, and he understood the, the law. He understood right. the Old Testament. So let's, let's look in the Old Testament and see if there's any references to that type of a saying, a thorn in the flesh, and see if it can be um, associated with sickness in another place in the Bible. Where do you want me to go? Well, look in Numbers. I found one in Numbers, chapter 33, verse 55. Why don't you read that? Numbers 33, 55. But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your side. They will harass you in the lands where you live. Splinters in your eyes. Mm -hmm. And what? Thorns in your side. Thorns in your side. Was he referring to a sickness there? No, nope. he said people. He said people. Hmm. Now look in Joshua, just go up a little bit, in the book of Joshua, chapter 23 and verse 13. Then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes. And you will, and you will vanish from this good land the Lord has given you. Now who will be all that to you? People. People. And what will they be? Thorny brambles. <laughs> That's pretty pretty much saying the same thing as thorn in the flesh, right? right. Or thorn in your side. What's thorny bram? What's brambles? A bramble's a type of a thorn bush. Oh, okay. I believe. So you can see that in Numbers and in Joshua that this thorn or thorn in the flesh, thorn in the side, in the eye, it's never referred to or associated with a physical ailment or a sickness, is it? Right. It's always representing people. Pretty obvious. People, the opposition, mm -hmm. the enemy. Oppression. That's coming against you. So I believe, and Paul knew the Old Testament law. So I believe very when, well. When Paul said thorn in the flesh, he wasn't referring to sickness. And what was Paul referred to as? A Jew of Jews? Yeah. So we'll, but we'll get into that a little bit more in just a second. But I also want to ask this question. What was the purpose of Paul's thorn? What was it for? And Paul, Paul said that too, but let's look somewhere else in the Bible. Well, let's see what Paul said about it first. Go okay. back there. Yeah, I'm going. And Paul said, he described why God gave him. The thorn in the flesh. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, associate that with sickness. Does sickness or disease keep you from becoming proud? I don't think so. Not really. Um, because he said he's referring it to his visions, what he saw, what God privileged him to. So in other words, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, was meant to humble Paul. Keep him from boasting. Keep, and there we go, because he says that, doesn't yeah. he? Yep. Keeping him from getting too full of himself, right? Mm -hmm. 
but let's look and see if we can find it. Remember, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let's see if we can find that elsewhere, that kind of persecution or that kind of humbling. Uh, look in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 14 and verse 65. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. Who are they talking about there? Jesus. Now, Jesus, do you think Jesus had to endure that kind of persecution? Oh, every day, every minute of his testifying. He did, but did he have to? I mean, he's God, right? If he wanted to, he didn't have to take that. Right. But he did. He was humbling himself, right? He was submitting himself for our sake, and we didn't even realize it then. Mm -hmm. They didn't even realize it then. But he was becoming... The Bible refers to him, and we often call him the sacrificial lamb of well, God, right? Isaiah 53, when it's prophesying about Jesus, it says, beaten for our transgressions. Right. And bruised for our iniquities. Yeah. So you can see there's Jesus taking that kind of humility. Um, I want to have you also look at, um, let's see, where else? First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 11. First Corinthians... Where was it? Chapter 4 and verse 11. Okay. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. Now this is the disciples, probably Paul, and some of his other companions. It was Paul, yeah. Um, with him. Uh, they were beaten, hungry, thirsty, without a home. Why? Because their mission was the gospel of Christ, right? And there were always people opposing it. And they were sacrificing themselves for that mission. Mm -hmm. Now, turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and read, excuse me, read verse 20. 1 Peter 2, 20. Of course, you will get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. There's why. There's why the disciples did it, there's why Jesus did it, and that's why Paul did it and referred to it as a thorn in the flesh mm -hmm. to keep him from being proud, from being, being too uh, full of himself. Boastful. But really, why was Paul given a thorn? I mean, why did God give it to him in the first place? Well, you read in 2 Corinthians, uh, go back where you were in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and read verse 6 and 7. 6 and 7? Mm -hmm. You just read 1 through 10. Did you say 1 Corinthians because it's 2 Corinthians? Oh, I'm Corinthians. sorry, 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 12, and what do you want? 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So the thorn was given to Paul to keep him humble. Right. Because of the great revelation and the visions. Remember, he said he was taken up into heaven, either in his body or out of his body. He, couldn't, he didn't know. Exactly. And, so he but, could boast if he wanted to. That's what he says. And he saw such wonderful things, he couldn't even describe it. Mm -hmm. So God gave him that thorn in the flesh, which Paul describes as a messenger from Satan. 
not as a sickness, right? And you know the one thing that Jesus said that we must endure, that God says we must adore, that he'll never, the Bible says he'll never leave us, never forsake us, but there's one thing he'll never take from us. Persecution. Persecution. Trials and tribulations. For his namesake. Right. For his namesake. So Paul answered the own question. But I want to look at the scriptures which are used that supposedly prove that Paul's thorn was some kind of sickness. Okay. Uh, we we already so this is the rebuttal to you. Yeah, we already don't believe it is as what, and we think I just gave him the proof. Paul, even if you just read through what Paul said, yeah, it's pretty hard to stretch a sickness in that. But these are the verses that uh, people that don't believe it's God's will to well, heal everybody will use to support their claims. You're in Second Corinthians in that same passage. Start at verse eight through ten. Now you're right about runs, but just start at eight through ten. Eight through ten. Highlight those. You mean to highlight them? Well, <laughs> read those. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Right. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, if you don't really understand the full concept of what Paul is saying there, and you hear that word weakness, 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 and you associate weakness with sickness. Like fragile. You can see how people might get the idea that Paul was sick. But that's not what it's really saying. But in Galatians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says this. You know how through infirmities of the... I'm sorry. You know how through my infirmities of the flesh... I preached the gospel to you. That sounds like sickness on the surface. On the surface, but if you match that up to what you just read, his weakness, and now he's calling it infirmities, it's hard to see that as a sickness. Um, when Paul said it was given to him to keep him humble. Right. Right? Uh, read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. Mm -hmm. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let's break that down. In light of what I just read in Galatians 4.13, in light of what you read in 2 Corinthians, this is still Paul talking, and start over. He's right from the, you can go slow and I'll stop you. I came to you in weakness. Okay, came to you weakness. Timid so, and trembling. So you think, okay, weakness, sickness. But now he said timid and trembling. Well, why would timid and trembling uh, be associated with sickness? Wouldn't timid, well, trembling could, but yeah, <laughs> like chills. Yeah. But timid and trembling the way he's putting that and phrasing that, it would be more inclined to believe like, hum yeah. being humble, wouldn't it? All right. Or like beaten down. He came to you that way. Now, what did he say? And my message and my preaching were very plain. There he goes. He's, he's, he's timid. He's humble. He's teaching very plainly, not full of big words, not puffing, puffing up with his own, right. his, his own uh, intelligence. Right. Right. 
Keep going. Rather than using clever, clever and persuasive speeches, like you said, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. No reference to any kind of that. That verse, that. those verses, basically explain why he needed to be humbled. And there's no reference to any kind of sickness or ailment or disease at all in there. Nope. Now, DJ, go back again to where you started okay. in Second Corinthians twelve. Our and, text for the day. And read verse 9 again. I want to keep breaking it down and comparing it to other verses. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. The words infirmity that I read in Galatians and the word weakness. That my you, translation uses weakness. Yeah, yeah, that you just read there um, are words I want to talk about. Because those are the words that people see and associate, immediately associate that Paul had a sickness. Mm -hmm. The word infirmity that I read in Galatians 4 is translated from the same original Greek word that Paul used when he wrote in Romans chapter 8, uh, it, verse 26 and 27. Why don't you read that chapter? Turn in there now. It's the same original word, Greek word, that is translated infirmity. Romans 8, 26. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Okay. Now he said the Holy Spirit helps us with our weakness. weakness. Read that and substitute sickness for weakness. In there. It doesn't See? make sense. Just do it. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our sickness. Okay. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. <laughs> it doesn't make that second part, for example, right. is an example if it's sickness. And his example wasn't anything to do with sickness <laughs> or disease. So you can see how that word infir infirmity, which is also often associated with sickness, is not the right application there, is right. it? And it's tr translated from the same Greek word that Paul used in 2 Corinthians when he's talking about his thorn in the flesh. The same original Greek word. And the word. same one he used in Galatians. Exactly. When he was talking about his physical... Exactly. Exactly. And it is also the same original word in the Greek that was used in Hebrews chapter 11. Go to there. Uh, verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, uh, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. That's a, the Hebrews chapter 11 is called the book of faith. Hall of faith. Yep. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised for them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses, their weakness was turned to strength. Okay, now say that last line and substitute sickness. Their sickness was turned to strength. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, does it? No, no. But their weakness, their humbleness, their inability in themselves to accomplish all that when they, the Bible says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Right. Right? It's not talking about sickness or disease. It'd be, it's pretty hard to even put it in there to make sense of that. Yeah, it wouldn't. And it is also used by Paul, that same word, from the same original Greek, to express 
the manner in which Christ was crucified. DJ, read 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. And remember, this is all the all these weaknesses and... and, and My Bible inf- uses weakness across the board. And but. infirmity comes from the same Greek word. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We stop too right, are weak. Stop, stop right there. Okay. Put sickness in there. Although he was crucified in sickness... He was what? He now lives by the power of God. Doesn't make any no. sense. Let me continue on. Okay. We too are weak, just as Christ was... But when we deal with you, we will be alive. Sorry. We too are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him, and we will have God's power. The word weak and weakness in these scriptures is the same word used when Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong, that you read in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. In our text. It doesn't make sense. Here's my point. If the word weak meant that Paul was sick, then when he says, then I am strong in that same passage, it would logically mean that he was well. So how can you be sick and well at the same time? It doesn't 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 even fit that way. It's clear that this kind of theology is inconsistent in other places of the Bible, and therefore it is incorrect and 100% wrong. So the biblical truth is that these words translated infirmity and weakness with reference to Paul's life were never intended by Paul to mean sickness. When Paul speaks of his weakness before the church, he is expressing his nothingness in his own strength and his total dependence upon the Holy Spirit and the power of God, isn't it's, he, DJ? It's like he's referring to his human nature as weakness. Well, he's got he's to set himself aside. Right. That's what I'm saying. His human nature exactly. is his weakness, right. and his living in his spirit is his strength. Right. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.5, now he said this to the, to the Corinthians, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of people and man, like you're mm-hmm. just saying, mm-hmm. but in the what? Power of God. Right. So there he's just, he's, just re, he's just saying exactly what you just said. Now, other words that are sometimes used uh, to say that Paul had a uh, thorn in the flesh or some kind of sickness is the words trial or the word temptation. It's, it's translated trial in my new King James Version, but it's translated temptation in the original uh, King James Version. Mm. And sometimes the word temptation is interpreted to mean some kind of sickness. I think it's even a further stretch than weakness is. But Galatians 4.14 says, and my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despise not. Paul said that. So on the surface, again, you could say, hmm, my temptation in my flesh. So what's a temptation? Oh, oh, it's a, he had a weakness. Oh, oh, he's sick. But again, by clearly looking closely at what the Bible says, especially in other places, we see that the word temptation 
is translated from the same original Greek word used to express Satan's challenge to Christ in the desert. Remember that story? Where's that at? Well, read Luke 4, verse 13. That one verse sums it up. Luke 4, 13. Remember, same Greek word. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Now substitute sickness in there. When the devil had finished sickness, Jesus. <laughs> Causing Jesus to be sick. Did the devil make Jesus sick? No, he no. did not. It's the same Greek word that Paul said that he, in his temptation, which was in his flesh. Right. You despise me not. That's a big stretch to make that into sickness. Yeah, no. Um, it was also used by Jesus himself in Luke 22, 40. You want to read that one, DJ? Luke 22, 40. Yeah. There he told them, pray that you will not be given into temptation. No substitute sickness there. Pray that you will not give in to sickness. Oh, that makes sense. Jesus certainly wouldn't want anybody to be sick if he's the healer. But then if he's a healer, why would he not heal Paul? If he's, Then he would be a respecter of persons. Uh, doesn't Jesus say what he does for one, he'll do for all? Right. So, see, even if you try to use sickness, when it kind the of logic does falls fit, apart. It, it's not consistent theology with other places right. in the Bible or the nature of Jesus. My Bible says Jesus healed them all. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty easy to understand and see that neither of these had any reference, temptation, or uh, has, has any reference to sickness or disease of any kind, right? Yep. Now, third, another thing that's often used to say Paul thorn in the flesh was some sort of sickness or disease. And this is a big one. Paul's large letter. And I want you to read this from your uh, translation. Your translation is a more recent one, and I'll compare that to the original King James, which I right? believe I believe the King James is more accurate. Sometimes some of the newer translations, when they change the wording to make it more readable, Sometimes some of the verbs they use can be a little bit misleading. But. It's in Galatians 6, yeah. 11, right? Yes, I want you to read that verse. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Wow. He's writing with really big letters. And if you remember when he first came to so the Lord. Must, so he must not be able to see. When Jesus came to him on the road to Damascus, what happened He to got him? blinded. He got blinded. So he must have some scar tissue built up in his eyes, even though he was healed. Or some he, sort of disease. He got his, yeah. He, and so he was writing. With he only got a really partial big, healing. He had really big paper. He was writing really big so because he couldn't see to write smaller. But here's the thing. If you look that same scripture up in the King James. You know those really big Sharpies? <laughs> That's what he uses. In, in the, in the uh, King James it says, you see how large a letter I have written you with my own hand. Hmm. That's a so, big difference <clears throat> so, between letters and letter. Well, Paul wrote a lot of letters to the Galatians. Um, so is Paul referring to letters as in the alphabet or is he referring to letters as in 
notes. Notes papers. that he wrote. Yeah, a whole story that he wrote. Yeah, in fact, Dad, the word letter, which Paul wrote, is translated from a Greek word meaning the quantitative form. Now, quantitative mm. means like how much, not how physically big. Paul's letter was, was quantitatively large. It was long. It had a lot of words to it. So the original Greek word, like you said, means quantity, not size. Right. Mm. There's the key. Now, it's true that a letter of the alphabet can be large inside if you write it with a big Yeah, if you look at an eye chart. Or paint it with a big paint Like if you go to the eye doctor and look at an eye chart, some of them are bigger than others. (laughs) The ones I can see without my glasses. So a letter in the alphabet can be large in size, but a large-sized letter alphabet is not large in quantity. It's still one alphabet. One letter. One letter. One alphabet. Yeah, one alphabet. So then it's clear that Paul is speaking of his letter to the Galatians as being large in quantity. It was a long letter. Right. Which, by the way, and here's a good point, is uh, perfectly agrees with what most theologians know about Paul. They believe it wasn't his custom to do his own writing. It is believed that maybe even up to this point, Paul had probably dictated most of his letters and somebody else wrote them. Yeah, Paul and Silas, or not Paul, uh, Timothy and Silas, right? Yeah, it might have been easier for Paul to, to um, sometimes we do that with our podcast. If I have an idea, well, you know, I'm asking you to type because I can't hey, type very good. You know what my job is at Urgent Care? What? Medical scribe. You're dictating for the right. doctor. Yeah. So that kind of goes along with the, 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 his custom wasn't to write his letters himself. But in this instance, he takes the pen into his own hand to write. It's his final personal greeting to the Galatians. And he's pointing it out to him. See how long I write this letter in my own hand? Mm-hmm. He's making a point to him that this is important. This letter is important to him. He's showing how much he loves them. Exactly. Now, DJ, I want you to read Galatians 4.15. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Now, this scripture is often used to prove further that Paul's eyes were so diseased that the people that he witnessed to, that he loved, that loved him back, were willing to give him their own eyes if they could to replace his diseased ones. People believe that. But the truth is this. It was just an expression of speech. Just like thorn in the flesh. Yeah, it's an expression being used by the Galatians to show their love for Paul because of his faithful ministry to him. I can give you a modern-day explanation. Have you ever heard the expression, I'd give my right arm to help you? Or an arm and a leg. Yeah. Now, does that mean the person has a sickness or disease in their right arm? No. (laughs) Oh, of course not. It's just an expression of appreciation, right? Sure. Yeah. So it is with Paul's uh, large letter. And they'd pluck his eyes out. So my point to all this is to show how our traditional speculation and how we sometimes hear the wrong theology about Paul's thorn in the flesh being some kind of disease or sickness, 
are really based on scriptures which do not support that claim at all. When we read and study them with other scriptures, without any kind of preconceived theological prejudice. If Paul was nearly blinded with a terrible eye disease, if he was weak and sick in his body, and he prayed three times to receive physical healing, but was refused because, like Paul said, he had received such great spiritual revelations, if he needed to be kept humble by these infirmities in his eyes and in his body, these sicknesses, then it would be a total contradiction to so much of other biblical truths, such as healing. And healing is an essential part of Jesus' ministry, isn't it? The entire gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is jam-packed full of healing. Remember, we found over 100 verses in just a couple hours last week about yeah. healing. Also, think about this, Dad. In Romans fifteen twenty nine, Paul said, When I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. How could he say that if he was nearly blind and sick in his body? That he, wouldn't be the fullness of the gospel. He certainly wouldn't. He certainly wouldn't. And think about this. If Paul was sick himself, how could the people he preached to have received faith for the mighty special miracles of healing that we see all throughout the book of Acts? That'd be like a fat doctor telling you you need to lose weight. You'd be like, <laughs> who are you to tell me I need to lose weight? I'll give you a couple examples of those miracles. Acts 14, read uh, verses 8 and 10. Where? Acts 14, 8 and 10. 8 through, through 10. 10? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want me to skip nine? Yeah. When I came there, or while they were there at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he ne had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Wow. Now, this man listened to Paul preach. And somehow the word of God got into him and faith rose up in that man. Yep. Paul looked at the man and he could see in the man's eyes that the man had faith. He was ready. He was ready. And Paul called him out, didn't he? Yeah, he said, stand up. But if Paul's eyes were so bad that he had to write with big letters and the guy's obviously sitting down. This guy would be thinking, what's this guy He's not about? six inches away from him. Oh, yeah. He's sitting in the audience. Oh, that's a good point too. How could he even see his eyes? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> his face would be a blur. And listen, if, the, if Paul was up there preaching half blind and sick in his body. This, people would be like, who's this guy to tell me about healing? How could, he get, how could the guy get in faith to get healed? Now listen to this one. Go to Acts 19 and verse 11 and 12. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. You can't tell me that Paul was half blind and sick in his body. And God wouldn't heal him. And God wouldn't heal him when... God anointed them with handkerchiefs to heal other people. Right. That's not consistent. And here's another thing. If Paul was so sick, how could he make 
the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through many signs and wonders, like it says in Romans mm. 15, 18. The truth is this. Paul's thorn in the flesh never incapacitated him in his ministry. Yeah, and he testified to it in 1 Corinthians 15, 10 by saying, I labored more abundantly than all the rest. Well, that's true. He did say that. And it's hardly reasonable to think that a sick man with poor eyesight could labor more abundantly than all the other disciples who weren't sick. No. (laughs) No. No. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. But it is sad to say that today, faith leaves people when they hear the words of someone telling them that Paul was sick and that God wouldn't heal him even though he prayed about it three times. And so it's not always God's will for all to be healed today. And they go on, like you said last week, they make up their own theology. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has some purpose for you to remain sick. No. 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 <laughs> Absolutely not. That is wrong. It is not true. And it certainly isn't not consistent theology, as we showed in other places in the Bible. It's not in agreement with the other places of the Bible. Right. It's not in agreement with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a God who is love who always heals you. The Bible says, I am the Lord who healeth you. We saw that scripture last week, didn't we? You're getting all fired up. You're getting all fired up. I'm sorry, but it's only a religious, man's dumb religious sense-based type of faith that would teach that. It is not based on revelation truth that is God's word. Healing is always has always been and ever will be God's will for you, just the same as salvation is and always will be God's will for you. For Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, Andy also said, I come so you have life and to have it more abundantly. Yes, he did. A more abundant life doesn't mean one with sickness, disease, no matter how you try and justify it, it no, just doesn't add up. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you, what kind of pretty ribbon you put around it, sickness and disease is not a more abundant life, is no, it? No, no. A lot of people would say it takes away from their life. <laughs> yeah, just ask someone who's battling with cancer if they feel like their cancer is making their life more abundant. I don't think they'd say that. Oh, they'd look at you like you're crazy. They'd probably get mad at you. they think you're stupid. People that suffer sickness and disease do everything they can medically, emotionally, to try to get better. Just watch TV and look at like the medication commercials. They'll say, get your life back with this medication. <laughs> I hope you, this has helped you. It's our prayer and it's our hope that these episodes on God's will to heal everyone will help you. It'll help you so you can get in real Bible faith. Settle that question. It is always God's will for you to be healed. So you can get in real Bible faith to receive healing from your very loving God. Jesus took our sins on that cross. And he bore our sicknesses when he went to the whipping post. That's the truth. 
And that's the good news of the Bible. Like we saw last week, we have a covenant of healing with God. Aren't you glad about that? Now, in Galatians chapter 3, it tells us that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. And sickness and disease were a major part of that curse. We touched on it a little bit last Mm. week. So, DJ, I think we will talk a little more about this next week, what it means that we are redeemed from the curse of the law, what all that means, because it ties right in to God's will to heal. And I think it'll be a good way to sum up our series, that healing is the will of God for all today. So, so can, can we take one more podcast on it? One uh, more? I, one we more could week? do 15 more. I promise that we'll wrap it up then. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. So what else is new? Well, I wanted to say something before we ended this oh, topic. Okay. If right. you look at like what we've been talking about in the grand scope of like the Bible, the mm-hmm. New Testament, if you believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was some sort of sickness or disease, we talked about the verses that they use with that, the mm-hmm. um, large letters, so on, so forth. You'd think you'd see more about Paul talking about this sickness or disease. Maybe when he goes to like a doctor or someone saying, hey, Paul, why don't you get healed? Something like that, you know. But if you look at the entire New Testament, you see all of Paul's trials and tribulation, all the persecution against him being shipwrecked, beaten. He talks about left that, for dead, he? He bitten by a poisonous snake. He talks about all that persecution. He, he talks about that in great detail, but he never talks about a sickness or a disease. Because he wasn't sick. Right. That's, I just wanted you know to tie that into the grand to end scope today, of it. After what all the other verses that we showed and other, other scriptures and other places of the Bible that mm-hmm. proves that Paul's thorn in the flesh wasn't a sickness or disease, go back to it. Can go we back, read it one more time? Yeah, read, read second, the text. Yeah, read the text one more time and Paul's explanation, and you can see that he is not talking about a sickness or a disease. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. When I was in my body, or whether I was in my body or not, or out of my body, I don't, I don't, I'm struggling here. <laughs> whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Oh, that's amazing. Things no human is allowed to tell. So he's saying why you should be able to boast. Yeah. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, that doesn't prove that Paul had a sickness. You know what it proves? Paul had faith. Yeah. And he knew that the more he could get outside of his own way of thinking, his own natural sense-based faith, his human way of thinking and operating, and think and operate 
the way God was telling the think and operate, that's when the miracles happen. If you want to break this down to just the very core, layman's terms, think about the weakness as being his human nature, the strength as God's spirit. That's right. And when he talks about that's a good way to put it, the thorn in the flesh, he's talking about these hardships, persecutions, troubles, trials. Yeah, nobody wants to endure that. And that, Paul's saying, God, take these away from me because I'm getting beaten. I'm getting left for dead. I'm <laughs> shipwrecked. Yeah. Take them away from me so I can do your work better. And Paul, and God said, when you're weak, Paul, then I can work through you. Right. He's breaking down his human nature so he yeah. can live in the spirit. Wow. That's awesome. Here we go. I think we wrapped that up. Praise Time God. To put a bow on it. Praise God. He's a good God. And, you know, don't we have trials and tribulations in our lives today, no matter what, sure. whether you're Christian or not. But remember, we talked about Job last week. And here's the thing. Job couldn't read Job. No. <laughs> it wasn't written yet. Job didn't know it was God, wasn't God that was uh, making him sick. And so he questioned God and he asked him, why am I sick? Why is this happening to me? Remember what God said? God said, Job, were you there when I formed the heaven and mm -hmm. earth? When I put the lights in the sky, when I created the thing, were you there? Right. And you know, Job said, Wow, who am I to Gave question? Him perspective. Who am I to question God? He became humble, and then I, I read last week at the end of Job, what happened? He was blessed. He was restored more so than he was at the beginning of his life. So thanks for joining us on Easter. I think we've wrapped this up. Same thing can happen for you, can't can it? Right. That's, That's what the whole this point. is all about. Yeah. Because the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It keeps going on and on. It's for you and me today. Aren't you glad about it? Yeah. Gets me all fired up. So thanks for joining us on Easter. I know this isn't the typical Easter message you're probably used to hearing, but we hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. And we'll see you next week right here on Reborn Report. The Word of God gets you all fired up. <laughs> Happy Easter, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>